Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to seven, and 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of the of the <laughs> What am I the author of? The Unhurried Homeschooler and The Four-Hour School Day and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written just for homeschooling moms. Um, my latest release is The Four-Hour School Day, so that's my most recent publication. It just came out June 29th. I would encourage you to go and uh, check it out if you haven't. Um, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for my listeners. Um, this podcast has been growing like crazy, and it, that couldn't happen without you out there on the other side listening. So to every mom out there listening, folding your laundry, um, taking care of your kids, homeschooling, uh, doing your dishes, taking care of your house, I am so glad you joined me today. I don't want you to forget that the job that you're doing at home within the four walls of your home is by far one of the most important things you will ever do in your life. So welcome today. I'm going to be bringing you some tips or help for the overwhelmed mom of littles. So all eight of our kids were born in 13 years. We had two girls first. And then we had four boys in less than six years. The last two kids were born within four years after that. So I've been there. Moms of littles who are overwhelmed right now, I've been where you are. I've been overwhelmed with the requirements that come with a house full of littles. Sleep deprivation is real. There's a reason that um, it is actually used as a form of torture. <laughs> I told my husband that once when I was suffering greatly from sleep deprivation. I don't, I don't do well without sleep. So the more children I had and the less sleep I got, um, especially in those those newborn uh, days, those first weeks of having a newborn and being up at night, um, those were rough. Those were rough. Um, I always felt like once I could get about six hours straight of sleep, I felt human again. It was just, it was like a miracle, you know? <laughs> it was like, there is a God and He loves me. <laughs> of course, He loves us all the time, but boy, I sure felt it after those six hours. So I understand. I understand the um, just the responsibility and the uh, the exhaustion that can come with it. And I used to have people say, you know, just enjoy the season. And I know they meant well, and I know that they were right. And I knew they were right. Um, but sometimes I would be asking myself, what does this even mean? Because I think it's important. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to chalk off those those little, um, you know, little bits of encouragement as cliches, or they just don't understand, or they just don't remember and, and some of that might be true, but at the end of the day, maybe it's God reminding us to go ahead and enjoy the season, that we have permission to enjoy it, which would bring the next question um, to mind, which would be, what does that even mean? How do I do this? Well, first of all, I want to say, don't listen to the culture. You guys, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know how I feel about children. You know what I believe about children. It's not just a feeling, it's a conviction for me and for my husband that we believe that children are a blessing. But the culture says otherwise. Um, the culture tells us that children just cost us. They cost us our bodies, they cost us money, they cost us, you know, material goods. Um, 
you know, they essentially keep us from doing what we really want to do. And, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. God calls children a blessing. And there are a number of reasons that they are a blessing. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want to just reemphasize um, what a lie our culture is telling us when it's telling us that children are an obstacle. And, and I find it interesting because I feel like the culture does two things. It, it's like this pendulum swing. On one end, you have the, um, you know, the children are, they cost us, they, they are, um, they're an obstacle to what we really want. Um, they're just sort of like something we just acquire because, you know, first we go to school and then we get our degree. Um, then we get our job, we start our career, we get married, we, we, uh, buy a house, we get, a, we, you know, we get a car, we, um, and then we, you know, we start to have children because that's just part of the list of acquisitions, the checklist that we're going through. But God never intended for us to have that kind of attitude toward children. And so there's that one end of the spectrum where I'm having them, but they're really just sort of like categorized all in these, this list of, of, um, acquisitions. And then there's the other side where it's almost like motherhood and children are worshiped, you know, um, where they become, the children become the center of everything. They're, you know, they become just our whole world revolves around them and we need to have all of these good feelings and, you know, all of these, you know, um, just emotions that are just so like wonderful for motherhood. And... (laughs) At the end of the day, that does more harm than good because it isn't, it still isn't the view that God wants us to have of children. Um, yes, we have those feelings. Yes, we should experience those wonderful feelings of motherhood. Those are very real. Um, a lot of times they're very tied into, you know, those rushes, those rushes of hormones and things that we have. And, and so they can be a good thing and a blessing, but that is not where we should live, be living our life from. That is not where we should be parenting from. And, you know, as moms of littles, uh, we can find ourselves very um, disillusioned because we're not having those feelings anymore. Right now, we just like all those little people to go away for a while so we can think, right? Or take a nap or do something alone. Just go to the bathroom by ourselves, right? (laughs) So I totally get it. Um, so we need to be careful not to fall in either of those ditches. You know, the enemy always wants us to go in one ditch or another. He doesn't care which one, right? So we want to be women who are wise. We want to be mothers who have wisdom and discernment and we, and we want to be godly mothers, right? And so the first thing we have to do is not listen to the culture, um, Again, I'm going to reiterate that God says that children are a blessing. Now, my husband and I decided early on that this was the perspective we were going to have on our children. That was not always easy because sometimes, you know, when my children were a pain in the neck and I would be thinking to myself, but God says they're a blessing. How are they a blessing right now? Am I enjoying them? Do they feel like a blessing? And I would have to ask myself, why? Why do they not feel like a blessing right now? Sometimes it was my own stinky attitude. You know, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was a victim of motherhood, you know, darn, you know, darn the bad luck. I, um, you know, I've got all these kids and now I've got to do all this work. And, you know, so I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself or I'd had a particularly bad day or um, I was sleep deprived. 
Um, you know, and so I needed to stop and ask myself if, okay, if God says they're a blessing, why are they not feeling like a blessing right now? So I need to ask myself that. And sometimes they weren't a blessing in the moment because I wasn't doing my part as a mom and disciplining them like I should. I was not setting boundaries and keeping consistent boundaries. I had let the boundaries slip and I was feeling the ramifications of that. So that was always a really good filter for me to say, do my children are my children a blessing today? And so, you know, do they feel like a blessing? You know, obviously we're not banking everything on our feelings, but you get the idea. Um, so at the end of the day, we have to remember what God says is true about children. My husband at one point went through all the scriptures looking for what God had to say about children because he said at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, it only matters what God says. And all he could find was that children were a blessing. Um, they are our future. They are the next generation. They are the ones we will pass the baton to when it comes to, you know, our our faith and our community and the church. And so we're making the investment of a lifetime. But when they're all little, it can often feel like, well, I don't know what kind of investment I'm making because all I'm doing is wiping butts all day, right? All I'm doing is fixing food and cleaning up food. Yes, that is part of the process, but that isn't the end of the story. And I think that's something you really, we really need to remind ourselves of when we're in this season. This isn't the end of the story. Like, yes, it's a lot of work right now, but it is a blessed work, moms. I want you to understand that everything that we put our hands to as believers is 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 work this work that God is putting in front of us put in front of us is work from the Lord it is a gift from him and we should never look at it and despise that work you know he's Jesus said if you give a cup of cold water in my name to one of these little ones you are doing it unto me and i remember having to remind myself of that saying every time i handed my child a glass of water or tied their shoe or wiped their behind or did what you know served them somehow i I was serving Jesus, literally. And you know, that made so much difference for me. But at the end of the day, that isn't just a pie in the sky, you know, delusion that we're talking ourselves into. It's the truth. God says, Jesus said, if we do this unto the least of these, we do this unto him. It's not just the poor people and the orphans. Our own children are the least of these. They can't take care of themselves. They need us. And so as we meet those needs, um, we can find joy and satisfaction in the simplest tasks that we are doing with our children. I remember sometimes sleep deprivation would make me feel a little depressed and the thing that would always pull me out of it would be to just be in the moment. When I went to tie my kids' shoes, I would look at their little feet. I would look at their little hands. I would look into their eyes and I would think about how incredibly amazing they were that God had knit them together and just what a blessing it was to have them. And, and you know, there was just like this 180 degree change in my heart when I would do that. We want to cultivate a heart of thankfulness. So we cannot let ourselves go down the road of self-pity. And what I often see on social media is, you know, jokingly, maybe tongue in cheek, you know, oh, these darn kids, you know, just the messages, oh, these kids, you know, there's, oh my gosh, there's so much work and oh my goodness, poor me. And oh my gosh, I just give up so much for these kids. Be careful. You know, some some of those things can be funny and they can kind of like, yeah, I can I can relate to that feeling right now or whatever, but don't 
let yourself go down that road of um, destruction, basically, that is self-pity and that is thinking anything other than that children are a blessing. At the end of the day, um, I can tell you that after years and years and years of being committed to speaking and acting as though children were a blessing because we believe that they are. So acting and speaking on my belief, sometimes it was by faith, my children got a very clear message that they were wanted, that they were loved, and they will. every one of them will tell you that. And now we've got eight kids and seven of them are grown and out of the house, and they all, not one of them ever felt like we didn't want them there or that they were a bother or that you know we wished we'd never had them we they never got that message and it was because of our commitment i mean it was the lord obviously his grace but our commitment to being obedient to god and believing what he said is true that children are a blessing spilled over on our children as a huge blessing to them as well so don't We can't let ourselves go down the road of self-pity. We can't let ourselves parent from a place of fear. Again, all over social media, this mom's doing this, this mom's doing that. And we think, oh, but I don't do that. It's okay. If that doesn't breathe life into you and to your family, it is okay if you don't do it. Glitter does not bring life to me. I had a glitter ban on my house from a very, very early phase. And you know what? I never actually felt guilty about that because I did other things. I brought other things to the table that another mom that does glitter wouldn't bring to the table. So I like to bake. So I would let our kids bake or I would bake with them. I was good about um, you know having lots of good conversations with them and encouraging them and um, just being present. And you know there were there are things, mom, that you bring to the table that are strengths, and they were meant specifically to bless your children, okay? Your specific children. And so stop thinking about the things you're not doing and and that you can't or don't bring to the table and start thinking about the things that you do. And, you know, sometimes we can look at others and we could say, hey, you know, that might be a great thing to try. You can try it on if you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's not a good fit, don't feel guilty about it, okay? So we don't parent from a place of fear. And we need to start when the kids are very little, that we're not parenting from a place of fear. We cannot be thinking about that we're not doing enough or we're not doing the right things. Bring that all to the feet of Jesus and ask him, if there's something I'm not doing that I should be, would you show me? And if there's something I'm doing that I shouldn't be, please show me. You know what? He said he would. He promised he would give us wisdom if we ask for it. Look that up in James 1. It's a promise, but we have to believe that he's going to give it to us. Um, But he promises that he will do it. Okay, so another thing that I really want to encourage in terms of um, being able to really enjoy this season with your kids is to establish a simple routine. I can't emphasize that enough. Life is complicated, the world is complicated, but our lives in our homes do not need to be complicated, okay? There are enough things in our lo- in our lives when we have little ones that are unexpected. We need to um, have a simple routine because kids thrive in routine. They need it desperately. It establishes a foundation by putting consistent 
boundaries in place. This is, I can't tell you how important this is. At this particular developmental stage, kids need to know what to expect in order to feel safe and secure. This is just where they are developmentally. It's important that you recognize that and provide that for them. Our homes should be a refuge from the world. Our homes should be a refuge from the chaos. Yes, chaos does erupt every now and then, but we're always taking that disruption and that that chaos, and we are called as mothers to bring order back to it. God says He did not intend for this world to be um, a world of empty chaos, and I think we get to live that out specifically in our own homes. We can't control what's happening down the street, but we can work towards righteousness in our own home and towards order in our own home, and it starts with a simple routine. So, When kids feel safe and secure, they learn more easily and they learn more naturally. Okay. Um, And so what does that mean? It means that character building at this phase of the game is the main focus. Okay. It's not that maybe you don't do any book work with your, you know, five or six-year-old or seven-year-old, but it isn't the priority. It doesn't need to be the priority. Character building needs to be the priority. It means that there's going to be less school, as in book work, and more real life, which is actually a healthier approach to early education. And if you want to hear the expanded version of what that statement means, go to podcast 45, Essentials in Early Education. I visit with my friend Cheryl. She has eight children as well. So between the two of us, we have 16 children. Um, so we've we've been, uh, you know, we've been, uh, this isn't our first rodeo. Um, we have seen some very consistent things and um, we share these in uh, that particular podcast, Podcast 45, and I will link to it in the show notes. So if for nothing else, the reason that we want to have that simple routine is because our kids need it. It is absolutely essential for them. Okay, but there's another reason that routine is important and simple routine is important because you as a mom need to know what to expect. So your kids need to know what to expect and you need to know what to expect. For instance, I need to know that there is a nap time coming, right? Because it makes all the difference in the world when I know that after lunch, there is going to be some quiet. And I can tell you that even as our kids got older, we still always had a quiet time after lunch. Um, Even as they got into elementary, even high school, they just went off and hid and we kept it fairly quiet in the home for at least an hour, usually two. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that time isn't going to be interrupted, but I can tell you that it's important to establish something along those lines for your own sake and for your kid's sake. That at the end of the day, they know and you know that that is the boundary and that is the expectation. Um, We need to know what's expected of the children. As moms, we need to know what's expected of the children and um, and when it's expected so that we can have confidence that we are guiding and teaching them each day like we are called to. Um, it provides this provides the opportunity to discipline without guilt. And what I mean by that is that it removes much of the confusion for them because it's clear what's their responsibility and what is ours. 
So what I mean by that is um, if we don't have any kind of schedule, it is very difficult to tell if our kids are tired or hungry or um, if it, what exactly is bothering them. We can rule things out when we have a routine because we know and they know what the routine is. And we know that, okay, they just ate, so we know they're not hungry, and we know um, they're not tired because they just rested. So we know that this is a character issue that needs to be dealt with. Or we can ask them, you know, um, are you starting to get hungry? Or, you know, is it time to lay down? This, so this whole idea of having that simple, predictable routine gives all of us a lot clearer vision of what the day is supposed to sort of, you know, it gives structure to the day and it allows us, like I said, to discipline without feeling guilty because we understand, okay, this is the part of the day we're in. Oh yeah, this could be happening because we're getting close to lunchtime or maybe they're hungry a little bit earlier. We know that they ate at this the last time they ate was, you know, at nine o'clock. And so um, maybe they're, hey, they've hit a growth spurt. Not that we're making excuses for bad behavior, but we, you know, we can say to them, are you hungry? And if they say yes, we can say, okay, uh, that's understandable, but it is still not okay for you to talk to mom like that, or it's not okay for you to treat your brother like that. And I want you to go and make it right. Okay. We are not looking for excuses, but we, it does help give us guidance and uh, help us better understand where we are at in the day and where our kids are at in the day. Now, maybe you struggle with discipline. I realize that um, not all of us have a real clear understanding of biblical uh, discipline. Um, I had a fairly good understanding, but I still had lots to learn in those uh, little years as we were raising our kids, because it's one thing to watch other people do it. It's a whole nother ball game to do it with your own kids. Um, but I would highly recommend parenting with Ginger. So Ginger Hubbard is a really good friend of mine, and she basically, essentially, all of her podcasts are on biblical discipline. And so I will also um, link that, uh, put that link in the in the show notes as well to make it easy for you to get to her. Um, so at this stage of the game, when you got all littles, um, I would really encourage you. This is what I did, and, and it was it was really life giving to our family. Just mainly do real life with them. Don't get caught up in all the bookwork and all the you know the curriculum and the, we've got to do history and art and science and this that and the other thing and um, you know I can't really expound on all of that because that is included in the unhurried homeschooler. It is included in the four hour school day, and I would direct you to those books um, to help you get a better picture of why. This is the most healthy and sensible approach to early education. But do real life with them. Bring them alongside of you to do the things that you do every day. Because at this stage of the game, developmentally, they are mostly mimicking us. So they're just patterning us, which is actually a huge and unique opportunity to influence them for good. We're showing them what it looks like to have good manners when we're talking to the cashier at the grocery store, we're showing them what it looks like to socialize with other people as we're out and about, to be aware of our surroundings. We're showing them, um, you know, 
what a good marriage looks like. We're showing them what it looks like to care for younger siblings, for the weaker among us, which are our young, their younger siblings, our younger children. And um, it's interesting when we talk about this mimicking aspect, um, there was a little experiment that somebody did, and this has been done several times, but they brought a, a small child into a room with um, all kinds of things from the kitchen and just household things, you know, like a, you know, like some tongs and a and some pots and pans and some spatulas and um, just some different things that are just everyday tools that we use as adults. And then they threw in a couple of brightly colored toys to see which which things the children would be attracted to. And guess what? It was the real life things. They want to do what we're doing because what we're doing, they know, even if they can't think it and they can't cognitate it, is actually important. So they recognize that what mom is doing is important and they want to be part of that important work. And this is why it's so um, essential that we begin um, chores with them at a very early age. And I will try to include an image um, that shows kind of like what our age-appropriate chores are. This is what we should be spending our t- the bulk of our time on with our children, um, reading to them, talking with them, taking them to the library, um, just basically doing the things that we do every day with them alongside of us. And granted, I mean, realistically, I didn't have my children do every single thing with me, but I tried to include them as much as possible. And then sometimes they were more interested in going off and building a blanket fort with their brother. Well, guess what? That is educational as well. A lot of that's explained in that podcast 45 that I mentioned earlier and in my book, my books, uh, The Unhurried Homeschooler and The 4-Hour School Day. So... Um, What we're doing as we're bringing them alongside of us is we're encouraging work ethic. We're teaching them to care for one another as they're caring for their younger siblings, as they are making sandwiches for their younger siblings for lunch. They are learning what it looks like to be the body of Christ to each other. They're learning to serve. They're learning to care for those who can't care for themselves. You guys, this is huge. Our culture, the, the ki- most of the kids in our culture have no idea what that looks like. They have no idea what a joy it is to participate in those things. Our kids deserve to know the truth about what a joy it is to do life the way God calls us to. Um, When we bring them alongside of us, we are teaching them organizational skills. Every time they're sorting the silverware into the silverware container, right? They're putting dishes away or they're loading the dishwasher. Those are organizational skills. We're talking hand-eye coordination. Again, so many things. We're nurturing sibling relationships. um, We're showing them how important family life is, you guys. The pillars of society is the church and the family. Why do you think the enemy uses the culture so strongly and influences the, the the, uh, the ungodly culture 
so heavily with the opposite of that. So do not listen to the lies that family is not important and that what you're doing doesn't matter because it matters tremendously. The enemy would love nothing more than to discourage you, especially at this phase of the game when there is a lot of work involved and not a ton of fruit being seen yet. Let me tell you something. You are making a long-term investment. These little seedlings that you have to be so careful to nurture right now and spend lots of time with and tend to carefully as you're growing their character are going to grow eventually strong roots and they're going to grow into strong plants and eventually we're going to put them out to be exposed a little bit at a time and eventually they're going to go into that garden out there for good and then they're going to bear much fruit. So I'll share with you really quickly what a typical day would look like for us when I had six kids, nine and under. So we would get up in the morning and there would have their little chores that they needed to do, which was basically make their beds and tidy their rooms. And this is something I checked every day. Again, we want to do praise, a little bit of encouragement and more praise. Um, They're not going to do this perfectly at this stage of the game. We're looking for progress, not perfection, but we want them to learn to keep order. What does it look like? to have order in their rooms. And then we come out and we, uh, you know, they get dressed and and then we come out to the kitchen and maybe we fix some breakfast and they set the table and they help um, put things on the table and help clear the table and maybe they can sweep. Um, And then we would go into um, our school time, you know, where and any other things. So we had dishes and things like that, just kind of bringing some order to our world. And then we had dishes, um, And then we would, you know, make sure our kitchen was clean. And then we would move on to the schoolwork if we were doing schoolwork. Maybe we would sit down and uh, read a Bible story together, sing a song together. We would read a book together. Um, Some of the kids would maybe play with Play-Doh. Their little hands sometimes need to be busy while we're reading to them, especially little boys. So just the simplest things, you guys, you have no idea the ties that you are 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 binding together the 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 roots that you are giving your kids and the ways that you are establishing a strong family life by doing these simple simple things but i remember at one stage of the game at that stage of the game that i mentioned before six kids nine and under i felt guilty because i had a 9 year old and i felt like I could only get three school days in a week even with her and i prayed about it and the lord said to me Dorinda I was always shooting for four and always feeling condemned because it was only three. And he said, why don't you just plan on three? If four happens, great, but why don't you plan on three and just trust that I'm going to make it enough. And guess what? All these years later, what is it? 21 years later, that slow, unhurried approach um, did, it actually was beneficial, but it absolutely did no harm. In fact, I will say it was absolutely beneficial because I have kids who love learning. And I think part of it was that slow, easy start that I talk about in the unhurried homeschooler and the four-hour school day. So one last little bit of encouragement. I want you to think about using this season to develop your parental discernment. And what I mean by that is something I explain in chapter nine of the four-hour school day. So as parents, chances are you began to feel pressure from the moment you found out you were expecting. And by pressure, I mean the weight of other people's opinions and advice. You were given countless opinions about how to feed, clothe, and even educate your child. Maybe you felt pressure to decide your parenting style even before your child was born. 
feeling pushed and pressured is no way to start your parenting journey. So it's important early on to grow in parental discernment. So parental discernment is being able to identify what is best for your you and your child, regardless of anyone else's opinions. To grow in parental discernment is to develop sharp perceptions and good judgment, tuning into our kids. For Christians, discernment also means determining God's desire in a situation for one's life as a whole, or identifying the true nature of a thing, whether or not it is good. We need parental discernment because the pressures of parenting will never go away. In fact, they only intensify as your child gets older. There will always be someone or many someones who have opinions about what's best for your child. Doing the work to find your footing as a parent during this time is time well spent, and you'll save yourself a lot of grief by doing it sooner rather than later. In other words, the need for parental discernment starts from the moment you discover you're going to be a parent. So I go on to talk about more of what that actually looks like um, and what that means in the four-hour school day. But at the end of the day, discernment is the ability to see what is good so that you can do what breathes life into your family um, and do that thing. Nothing more and nothing less. Paul said, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We use that verse a lot. It's splattered all over, you know, mugs and t-shirts, but at the end of the day, the context is contentment. So if you wonder if you can be content doing the simple routine and only what breathes life into your family, you can because you can do everything through Christ who gives you the strength. He will give you the strength to be content within the boundaries that he has set upon your family. So listen carefully and follow and obey what God is telling you to do. So this season involves a lot of work, but it is it truly is one of the sweetest seasons of parenting. Remind yourself of that. Take time to bask in the goodness. When it's calm, take a breath and watch your kids. Be thankful. Be present. Stay engaged. Don't let yourself be preoccupied very often or for very long. Look into their little eyes often and long and smile at them and laugh with them. I remember I used to just lay on the floor and let my kids crawl all over me, and they loved it. Some of them would get a comb and they'd comb my hair, but there was something about mom just being down there on their level that they loved. And I know that's not for every mom, but it was great for me. It actually made me relax um, just having their little hands on me, and not every, not all the time, but because I know at the end of the day, sometimes you just don't want anybody to touch you anymore. But I do remember sitting down and doing this or laying down and doing this and just having just this wonderful um, feeling of just having my children all around me and just how much they loved me. You know, our children love us so much and they don't want all the fancy things. They don't want us to be perfect. They just want us. These kids are a blessing from God. They are what he uses to make you a better person, more like Christ. So keep your head and your heart in the game and enjoy these little ones. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I lift up every mom who's listening right now and I ask in the name of Jesus that you would just pour out your peace 
Lord, over her. Lord, that your anointing would be on every mom listening, but especially those who have little ones, you know, and especially those who are feeling particularly overwhelmed right now. Lord, I pray for peace that passes all understanding. I ask that you would help each one to pour out her heart to you and to let you lead her and let her you grow her in parental discernment and let this season with her children be one that is sweet and wonderful in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.